0: life is full of challenges with an unpredictable economy and just as surprising life changes you need to be prepared to weather any storm elder law and estate planning attorney kevin tharp and financial advisor gary anderson are available to help you with life's difficult decisions this
1: is truth in planning two mistakes to avoid when converting to a rot i'm gary anderson financial advisor anderson Advisors, and i'm kevin tharp elder law and estate planning attorney Kevin, last week or we were, were talking about mistakes that you can make with your IRA before and during retirement, mistakes that can really unravel your entire retirement plans if you do them the wrong way, if you treat your IRA the wrong way. And these mistakes can happen at any point in time. And we did talk about several last week, and we were talking about converting to a Roth IRA for one thing. And uh, there are a couple of mistakes that people do make as to when they should convert to a Roth. These two mistakes are converting to a Roth after you've taken Social Security. That's number one. Number two is converting to a Roth when you started taking required minimum distributions. Why is that? Why is that a problem? Well, it's a problem because remember, when you convert to that Roth, you're going to pay some taxes because Your funds were in a completely taxable traditional IRA, or 401k before that. Completely traditional tax-qualified plan, which absolutely is fully taxable when you start taking money out of it. Now, when you convert to a Roth, you're taking money out of it. You're taking money out of the traditional, moving it over to a Roth. Well, why do you move money to the Roth? Because it will accumulate from that point forward tax-free. All the money that you take out of that Roth will be completely tax-free for your entire lifetime. And that's important because as long as you do it at the right time, it's okay. But if you start taking or decide you want to convert to a Roth, when you've started taking Social Security, when you're already getting that Social Security income, you're compounding the tax situation potentially because you're adding more taxable income On your tax return. It can easily, if you don't have good information and you haven't consulted the right experts, for instance, tax people, our financial advisors, if you don't make that, if you can't do it then, or if you try to do it then, you're going to potentially put yourself in a taxable, higher taxable situation all the way around and even cause more taxes on your Social Security. More of your Social Security will be taxable Because you took this money or started converting after you started taking Social Security. That's even compounded more when both spouses are getting Social Security and now you decide to convert. So that's not a great time to convert. It works sometimes for people, but that is going to require a very, very good and lengthy conversation with an advisor. And this is something we do have this conversation with the advisor just to make sure that you aren't getting yourself in deeper and deeper tax hot water by converting this Roth at the wrong time. People do this a lot. If, they, if they're if they doing it on their own without input from some expert, you're probably going to get it wrong and you're going to pay the price for that. But also, let's say you know, RMDs, Required Minimum Distributions, you are required at some point in time to start taking money from your tax qualified plan, from that 401k or IRA. The government makes you start taking money, whether you've actually ever taken the money or not, or need the money or not, they still want you to take it. Why do they want you to get it out? Because they want you to start paying taxes on that money. Well, I guess the good thing about RMDs is the ages have gone up. That's beneficial. You can take money from the IRA anytime after you're 59 and a half, but If you don't want to take it and want to wait as long as you can to start taking money out of it, which may or may not be beneficial to you, the age has gone up. It was 70 and a half forever. Now the age for anybody born between 1951 and 1959 is age 73. So you can wait until 73 if you fall within that age group. And Kevin, this is important to you, 60 or later, age 60 or later, You can wait until you're age 75 to start taking required minimum distributions.
2: What about those who are 40?
1: Those who are 40, they get no.
2: I'm asking for Missy. I'm not asking
1: for me. I'm asking for Missy. (laughs) Yeah. Let's make sure we are asking for a friend or the right person anyway. So age 75 for anybody born 1960 or later, that's an incredible benefit for a lot of people. But then as we've said in other shows, sometimes it's more beneficial to start taking money out of that IRA earlier on because it can benefit you tax-wise. But if you hear what I'm saying, taxes are the issue here. So do it in the most efficient possible way. And a little input from an advisor, a tax planning advisor, will help. And like I said, this is something we'd like to do for people. If you have an advisor, talk to them about this. Have this tax conversation with them, because there's a lot of ways you can help yourself in taxes over the years and have more money to spend.
2: We're talking about tax efficiency when it comes to your IRA as a part of your overall retirement planning. And I'm with my co-host, Gary Anderson, financial advisor of Anderson Advisors. And Gary, I like the fact that you mentioned have a tax planning conversation with your advisor. That advisor, that tax planning conversation may be your CPA, but then again, it may not. A lot of times CPAs are not necessarily tax planning advisors. Their tax preparers, they give, uh, assist you in filing your tax return, but they don't necessarily give long-term tax advice. And this is where sometimes it's good to have that conversation or have your financial advisor as a part of that conversation when it comes to this very integral, important part of your retirement plan.
1: And Kevin, this is something that I really like to do is to have your tax person involved. It's a good balance when we have the person who helps you prepare those taxes every year. Let's say you use a CPA. Have the CPA and your financial advisor communicating with each other. It will make all the difference in the world when everybody's on the same track. You, your tax preparer, your CPA, and your financial advisor are all on the same page. That way, you can really be assured that you're doing things at the right time and in the right way to save yourself money on taxes years down the line. Again, that gives you more money to spend throughout your lifetime. It can make the difference between you running out of money before you retire and having plenty of money the day that you leave this earth. You and both your spouse Will have more money because of the way you plan tax-wise for your retirement. IRAs are a big part of that because of the tax implications of doing treating taxes uh, taxes or IRAs wrong when you could have done it the right way. So this is something that we absolutely encourage you to do. Don't make that mistake. This kind of leads me to another mistake that I see a lot of people make and that's using the wrong investment strategy during your distribution phase. What do I mean by distribution phase? Well, what I mean by the distribution phase, all the years you were working, that was your accumulation phase. That's when you were putting money in these retirement plans that you had, the 401Ks, 403Bs, whatever plan you had, you were putting money in there. You were accumulating all those years. You didn't pay much attention to it because – you could be aggressive when you're 35, 40 years old, invest however you want to, knowing that you had plenty of time for markets to go down, markets to come back up, go down, come back up. But then over the years, as you're approaching retirement or getting closer, what a lot of people fail to do is look at those investments again. give them a, Give them serious thought because you're going to wind up, if you're not careful, being in a situation where you're too aggressive, you have too much growth involved with your IRA or your 401k as you approach those retirement years and as you're in those retirement years. And you don't want to do that mainly because it simply just costs you too much money and you don't have to put yourself through that.
2: I know our listeners want to prepare for avoiding these mistakes. Gary, how can they take that step to start that planning?
1: Kevin, they can call us at Anderson Advisors, 888-371-2847.
2: In the next segment, we're going to talk about the one word that means everything in elder law. means everything in elder law. I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney.
1: And I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. Gary, there's one word in the elder law industry
2: that in my 30 some odd years, 35 years of experience in this area, practicing in this very special area of law, there's one word that means everything. And it's not elder law. It's not the two words elder law. In fact, once you understand what an elder law attorney is, uh, then this word will make sense. Uh, The one word, by the way, is not Elderly. I had the client called the other day and, and said, I listen to that elderly lawyer on the radio and I want to talk to him. And I said, well, first of all, Gary's not a lawyer. <laughs> and second of all, I think he would take offense at being called elderly.
1: Well, if he would listen long enough, enough years, maybe you will be the elderly lawyer. Yes, one day. Yeah, one day. One day would, a long, would, long no, time. A long now. time. Yeah.
2: 25, 30 years at yeah, least from now. That's way. right. <laughs> an elder law attorney, Gary, is just an attorney that specializes in helping people protect their assets, protect their access when you need long-term care. And that's one thing that I have found that it's not certain because as an estate planning attorney, we help our clients prepare and protect from the one thing that's certain to happen to all of us, and that's we're going to die owning assets. But as an elder law attorney, what my focus has been on for the number of years is protecting people, protecting their assets protecting people's access to their assets in the event they need long-term care. Now, long-term care could be care in your home, long-term care could be assisted living, or long-term care could be a nursing home. A lot of that depends on the activities of daily living, and the more of those activities of daily living you need help with, the more you need long-term care. And long-term care doesn't get cheaper over the years, it gets more expensive. Talking about the rising cost of things, long-term care rising cost, 5 to 7% every year increase uh, what it costs. It, costs my, it would have cost my parents out of pocket over $10,000 a month to pay for their nursing home. That's very expensive care. So as an elder law attorney, what we focus on is helping our clients protect assets in the event that they need long-term care. So how do we do that? We focus on this one word. And that one word is type of asset, type of asset. If you focus on the type of assets you own, you'll understand whether you're protected or not protected. You've probably heard my ads on the radio. You may have listened to this show before and you've heard me talk about how you won't lose everything you own if you get sick and go into a nursing home. And one of those specific assets that I talk about is your home. And here's how I know as an elder law attorney, here's how I know as an individual, as a person, that you will not lose your home if you go into a nursing home. While you're living, your home is the type of asset that is protected. Protected from what? Protected from you can get government assistance. You can get Medicaid. And keep your home. Why? Because your home is the type of asset that is protected, single or married, meaning you will not be forced to sell it and spend the money on your care until your money runs out. Because the law has always said, and it says today, that your home is the type of asset that is protected. So by focusing on the type of asset, you realize you now have peace of mind of knowing that if you or a loved one, a spouse, a parent, a grandparent goes into a nursing home, you will not lose your home. And by focusing on type of asset, then everything else you decide after that is going to make sense. Well, if my home is protected, Kevin, if I go into a nursing home, then why am I hearing other people tell me that in order to protect it? I need to put it in my kids' names. I need to get rid of it, and the sooner I do it or better. Why am I hearing other elder law attorneys even telling me I need to put it into an irrevocable trust if I want to protect my home? Well, I can't answer that question. That's a question you need to ask them because here's what I can tell you the law has always said. Your home is the type of asset that is protected. That's that one word, type of asset as long as you don't give up ownership. If you title it where you give up ownership, there are penalties.
1: You're listening to Truth in Planning. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors, and my co-host, Kevin Tharp, state planning and elder law attorney today, is discussing the one word, type of asset. Now, Kevin, that's three words, but I guess we can run them all together and be type of asset. Well, the main
2: thing is type. That's the main word. That's that one word, type. Type
1: of asset. It's
2: not type of document. It's not type of uh, asset. It's, it's it's type of asset. It's not anything else but type t y p e of asset.
1: Kevin, my wife Betsy has heard the radio show quite often, and she's heard you talk over the years. And people naturally, since she knows who we are, financial and, and uh, elder law attorney and and estate planning attorney, she'll, people will mention something about you know how what's going to happen to things after they die. And even Betsy knows to say, well, it depends on type of asset.
2: That's exactly right. Type of asset will determine, first of all, what happens to your assets when you're, uh, if you get sick and go into nursing home. There are other types of assets that fall into the protected category. Your IRA. You've t- talked about this on, on several shows before. Uh, IRAs are the type of asset, it's a retirement account, and it's the type of asset that is protected if you go into nursing. home. That means you don't have to cash in that IRA and spend that money. If somebody tells you you have too much money in your account to qualify for Medicaid and the only account you have is your IRA, they don't know what they're talking about. But a lot of times people hear that information from people at the nursing home. Because, see, if you don't qualify for Medicaid, then you're forced to private pay. Who benefits? Well, the highest rate you can pay at a nursing home without a difference in the quality of your care is private pay. So if the nursing home is going to get paid one way or another in terms of providing care for you or your loved one, why wouldn't they want to get the highest rate possible? That benefits the nursing home. And oftentimes, the nursing home will tell people, you have to cash in your IRA. You have too much money in your account. You have to sell your home and spend the money before you can get Medicaid. And it's because they're not focusing on the type of asset you own. So type of asset is that one word, type. Focus on that. Whoever you're talking to, if you're talking to somebody, another elder law attorney about helping you or your loved one uh, with going into a nursing home, make sure you're having that conversation about what type of assets you have, because there is a difference. There's another type of asset, especially if you're married, and that's called the community spouse resource allowance. And that allows the spouse at home to keep more bank accounts than you could if you're single. Now if you're married, unfor- if you're not married, unfortunately, there are certain types of assets that are not protected. Do you know what? The least protected type of asset you can own is a bank account. Bank accounts are the least protected type of asset, again, with the exception being if you're married and you got less than 150,000 in your bank account. But if you're married and say you got 300,000 in your bank accounts, then all of those bank accounts are not protected. Why? Because the law says that type of asset determines protection. So if I want to protect that bank account, Gary, like my home and like my IRA, what can I do? Do I need to put it in an irrevocable trust? Do I need to put it in my kids' names? No, because if you do that, there's a penalty. So how do you protect assets that are not protected? Change the type of asset. Take money out of your bank account, make improvements to your home, go purchase another piece of property, go set up a burial fund, put money in a fixed annuity. And what you're doing there without giving up ownership is changing the type of asset. So the one word or the one phrase that means everything in elder law
1: is type of asset. So let's get type of assets right, Kevin get them titled the right way. How will people contact you? Here, the best way is through my website, kevintharp.com. The difference between accumulation and distribution. Coming up next. What's the difference between accumulation and distribution? I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. And I'm Kevin Tharp,
2: elder law and estate planning attorney.
1: Kevin, in the previous segment, I ended it by talking about making mistakes during the distribution fa- phase of your retirement tax-wise, making tax mistakes. And this is part of the, the series that I've been talking about this week and last week about mistakes that are very common with your IRA. And mistakes, anytime you make a mistake with an IRA prior to or after your retirement, you may be talking about 401ks too. If you make a mistake, usually it's expensive. It's gonna cost you something in taxes because you didn't do it quite the right way to be very tax efficient with what you do. Planning is an important part of this. Financial planning and tax planning in conjunction with that is an important part of getting all this right. But these are some of the mistakes that we make. And I was talking earlier about the accumulation phase and the distribution phase. You accumulated all those years with your 401k. You built up a nice, nice amount of money there because you were adding to it. It was growing because the markets were growing. You probably were pretty aggressive with your, with your investments that you chose at the time. And let's say now you're in your mid-50s, early 60s and you look at your 401k, and you think, well, it's always done well doing what I'm doing now. Why don't I just continue the same investments I have? Even though you have a ton of different choices, potentially. Well, the reason you don't want to do it, because now you're getting closer to needing that money. You're getting closer to retirement. A lot of people are going to be depending on their 401k, which will become an IRA, for retirement income. So, Now you need to start thinking about backing off maybe the aggressive investing you've been doing and get more conservative. Because I always tell people this, if you have enough money right now to do whatever it is you want to do in your retirement for the rest of your life, no matter how long you live, why do you want to chance it too much? Why do you want to risk that too much? Most people are in that boat. You have plenty or have a good amount of money to be able to do the things you want to do in retirement. And you can really destroy that entire plan by being too aggressive with your investments at the wrong time. So that's important. This is something, again, that it is nice to get advice on. Your financial advisor should be able to do this for you. We do it all the time for people. It's part of the plan. It has to be a part of your overall plan. It has to work with you. Everybody's different. Everybody's plan is different. Sometimes you see somebody who looks just like you acts just like you, do the same things you do, but their retirement plan can be totally different because of the things that are important to them. So that's something to think about. Also, here's another one too, Kevin, and I think in last week's show you were talking about inheriting IRAs. When you inherit an IRA from your spouse, if the beneficiary designations are put together the right way, that's why people talk to you about this, Kevin, If your beneficiary designations are right, your spouse is not going to have any taxable event when he or she inherits your IRA because that's a spousal continuation. They're able just to keep going with what you had, whatever the plan is. They can move the investments. They can do different things with them, but it's not taxable because it just becomes their IRA rather than yours. And you just wouldn't believe how many people will do this the wrong way. But where they really really make mistakes is with non-spousal beneficiaries. This is the big issue. This is the problem that people quite don't quite understand, that, number one, you're leaving a, a, a tax legacy, like I've said in the past, to your non-spousal heirs, whether they want it or not, or whether you intend to do that or not. You're leaving this tax legacy for them. It's so important to understand with an inherited IRA the way this needs to be done, the way the distributions need to be done with it, because laws have changed. Things have changed even in the past three or four years that will impact the way your heirs, your non-spousal heirs, can take the funds from their IRA.
2: We're talking about distributions of your IRA and some potential mistakes, especially tax mistakes, that one can make on that. And Gary, you talked about some changes that have been made. I know for many, many years as a child, my brothers and I stood in a position to be able to inherit an IRA. In fact, in in many cases, it's the largest asset that you leave people. Mm-hmm. And I've always understood and have always advised my clients, it's the one asset you're going to leave your family that is guaranteed there's going to be income tax. Now, Five, 10 years ago, we were able to stretch that out over a period of time. We can't do that anymore.
1: Well, that's right, Kevin. Starting in uh, actually 2020, January tw- uh, 1st of 2020, the Secure Act came into play. Now we've had the Secure Act 2.0, which clarifies a lot of the things that uh, the, the original Secure Act did. But one of the provisions of Secure Act 2.0 was there's no longer a stretch. We won't have a stretch anymore. Well, what is a stretch? A lot of people that are probably listening right now are enjoying the benefits of a stretch IRA they inherited from their parents.
2: Before 2020.
1: Right. Or grandparents. So they're enjoying the benefits of that because they're able to have taken that over their life expectancy. let's say I'm 35 years old and I inherit an IRA from a grandparent or anybody else for that matter, except for my wife. That's a spousal assumption. But if I inherit that, then I was able to take this money for my entire life expectancy. So if I'm 35 years old, there's a lot of years that I can take that. Well, because I'm so young, it's a lot. The requirement of distributions that I will have to take, because you have to take money out of it every year, because that was the provision of the stretch. You have to take it out every year. and. It wasn't that much because you were taking it out for such a long period of time, and quite often that became a part of your retirement plan, your heirs' retirement plans. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not really the case anymore. It still can be part, but what the IRS did with the, or what the what Congress did with the Secure Act 2.0, I mean Secure, Secure Act and Secure Act 2.0, is to tell people you can't take these distributions over your entire life expectancy, you're going to have to take it out over a period of 10 years. Secure Act 2.0 kind of gave us some clarification with this because people said, well, I got 10 years to take the money out. Well, they're leaning more towards now starting it right after death and taking it out over that 10 year period in equal increments or whatever increments you'd like to do it. So by the end of that 10 years, the IRA technically is gone. You've taken all the money out of it. Now, my point to that is, if you've been growing your money all those years, if you've been growing that, you've had invested and it's growing, there's a very, very good chance you're going to wind up that last, that 10th year with more than you've been taking out the prior not in prior 10 years, or prior nine years, because you still have money accumulated there because the, the account grew. So you could be backloading some of these distributions you have to take. But just keep in mind, you've got to take it within that 10 years. And so you do have more of a tax implication. And heirs, uh, if you're somebody who's leaving an IRA to somebody, there's planning that needs to be done for that because there are ways to do this potentially that can save on taxes and do things to help pay those taxes that your heirs are going to have to pay when that time comes. So it's very important and it just requires thought and some conversation to make sure that you get this right. That's why you have an advisor. That's why you have people who can help you with this. Don't do something like this on your own. Don't have just someone it, uh, your heirs get this benefit get this beneficiary, uh, their heirs are a beneficiary of your IRA and try to do things on your own tax-wise because there's too many moving parts with this and you could wind up really costing your heirs a lot of money with this.
2: Gary, how can our listeners make sure that they don't make that mistake and plan that out?
1: Kevin, they can call us at Anderson Advisors, 888-371-2847. You can go to our website, gary-anderson.com.
2: Coming up, we're going to talk about the one word or phrase that means everything in estate planning. One word or phrase that means everything in estate planning. I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and
1: estate planning attorney. And I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. Gary,
2: in the previous segment, we talked about the one word that means everything in elder law, and really it's the one word or phrase, but the one word and anything you add after that word in elder law doesn't change the fact that that one word means everything. And this is the one thing that we focus on with our clients. This is the one thing in elder law that separates me from other elder law attorneys that are out there in the community, and it's that one thing that I found that only I'm talking about, and it's what type of asset do you own? So it's type, type of asset. It's not the type of document that you have, which many times that's what a lot of attorneys, especially even elder law attorneys, will focus on is they'll talk about the type of documents that are available for you. And estate planning attorneys are very much the same way. They talk about when this topic of estate planning or they're discussing it on a radio show or in a radio ad, they're focusing on the document, the type of document Mm -hmm. you have, as though that solves everything. Well, what I talk about in in elder law is the type of asset you have. Why? Because that determines everything. That determines what is protected, what's not protected. And if it's not protected... You can change the type of asset from unprotected to protected, and there's no penalty or waiting period to do it. We do that a lot, unfortunately, in what we call crisis Medicaid planning, where people have not done planning before they get to us, and now they're calling us because their spouse or loved one is in a nursing home, and a lot of times we're helping people change the type of asset they own, and we can do so without the fear of penalty because we're not changing ownership. So in estate planning, there is one word that means everything. And again, it's not the type of estate planning document you have, especially if it's a will. It's not the type of trust you have. If this one word is not involved in your estate planning, then you don't have a complete estate plan. And that one word is title. Title means everything. Gary, how assets are titled when you die determines whether your family does or does not go through probate. There have been ads on the radio that talk about a married couple having to go through probate to get control of their home. Why? Because of how assets were titled. Doesn't matter if that person has a document or not. It's how things are titled that will determine when you die whether or not you go through probate. So we focus on title of asset. We don't focus on how much your assets are worth because estate planning does not have anything to do with how much your stuff is worth. Gary, our fees are not based on how much you have. We don't charge more if you have more and less if you have less. Because we have people call all the time, many times off of this radio show, and one of the things they will tell us is, well, our stuff is very simple. We don't have much. It's not about how much you have. Do you know what estate planning is all about? It's answering two very basic universal questions. Number one question, what's going to happen to my assets when I die? And you will know the answer to that question, regardless of whether you die with 50 million or $50, you will know exactly what's going to happen to your assets if you have a complete estate plan. And what is a complete estate plan? Title your assets in coordination with your legal document that has your wishes. And the only document that will let you do that is a trust you cannot title assets in coordination with your will. You cannot name your will as the beneficiary of your retirement account or life insurance policy. You cannot just have a document alone and expect to avoid probate when you die. Yet consistently, that's what I hear people tell me when they contact my office. Well, I did a will a number of years ago, and that attorney said with that will, I'm going to avoid probate. That's impossible. It's like the chicken saying the egg's not going to pass through me. They may think that in their mind, but it's impossible. You know, there's one word that I found is also universal, and that is gravity. If we got on top of this building where the radio station is and climbed on top of the highest tower and said, I've never heard the word gravity, that was never discussed with me, okay, and you jump off, guess what's going to happen? Gravity is going to apply. The law of gravity is going to apply. Well, nobody ever talked to me about titling. Doesn't matter if they talk to you about it or not. Title will determine what's going to happen to your assets when you die. If you want to avoid probate, then get title and document coordinated together. And that's exactly what a trust lets you do. Now, if you title it in a revocable trust, then you're titling in such a way where you keep ownership rather than giving up ownership. And in the previous segment, I talked about you don't need to title your home and put it in somebody else's name or put it into an irrevocable trust in order to protect it. Why? Because your home is already the type of asset that is protected. And once you understand that, then you're understanding, well, then I don't need to give up ownership of my home while I'm living. And that's exactly what a revocable trust will let you do. Keep up ownership rather than give ownership. Give up ownership. That's why we like using a revocable trust. A revocable trust won't change the type of asset you have. If you title your home in the name of a revocable trust, it's still your home.
1: You're listening to Truth in Planning. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, and my co-host, Kevin Tharp, estate planning and elder law attorney, is discussing title today. The one word is title Type and title. That's two one words.
2: Yes, yeah, two one words. <laughs> but in estate planning, the one word that means everything is title of asset.
1: Kevin, I think gravity is an incredible analogy there because you can believe in the law of gravity or you might not But the law of gravity is going to come into play when you jump off the roof without a parachute or a ladder. Absolutely. And it
2: doesn't matter if you've never heard of it. it. Doesn't matter if you agree with it. It doesn't matter if you heard some other lawyer on a radio show talk about documents, documents, documents. That's what most lawyers focus on. If you're talking with a lawyer about what's going to happen to your assets when you die, just make sure you ask them this very simple question how does title of my assets going to impact this document? If you're a married couple and you go to a lawyer to draw up a will, ask them, so our home is on joint with right of survivorship. How is that going to impact this will? I have a beneficiary on my life insurance. My spouse is my beneficiary. How is that going to impact my will? Here's what I can tell you. If will... And title of assets are not coordinated together and you can't do that when you die there will be probate involved either there will be probate involved or you're not going to need the will at all title dictates everything when you die the answer to that question what's going to happen to my assets when i die is first starts on how are your assets titled And if they're not titled in coordination with your legal document that contains your wishes, then here's what I can tell you. Probate will be involved. The absence of title from your documents equals the presence of probate guaranteed every single time, like the law of gravity. And yet so many times I hear so many people tell me and so many other lawyers talking on podcasts and all across the country, and they talk about probate's no big deal. Or they talk about get a will and have a will. Financial advisors all the time. National financial advisors that you hear syndicated mm-hmm. talk about get a will. In fact, they have one financial advisor has a, his own place where you can go called MamaBear.com. Isn't get that your, convenient? Isn't that convenient? And get your own will. Okay. Well, you get your own will, and it doesn't change the fact of who's your beneficiary in your life insurance. And if you've named your spouse as a beneficiary, it doesn't matter what your will says. Title can negate the document altogether. It can eliminate the need for the document altogether. So focus on title when you're talking about estate planning and get that title coordinated with your wishes that are in a legal document without giving up ownership while you're living. And that's what a revocable trust
1: lets you do. Kevin, if somebody wants to have a conversation with you about title, how do they get in touch with you?
2: Gary, the best way is through my website, kevintharpe.com.
0: Investment advisory services are offered through Anderson Advisors, a registered investment advisory firm. Anderson Advisors is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investment involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Any reference to protection, safety, and lifetime income generally refers to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the strength and paying capabilities of the insurance carrier. This show is intended for informational and educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. You should consult with a financial advisor to help determine the best options for your particular circumstance. No statement made during the show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not endorsed by the United States government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions construed herein presented by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable. Completeness cannot be guaranteed. Neither Gary Anderson nor Anderson Advisors is affiliated with attorney J. Kevin Tharp or any guests on this show.